Good morning, Boker Tov, everyone. Today is going to be a fantastic day with all the challenges it will present in the ongoing saga of social distancing and of quarantining ourselves. Nonetheless, we have to begin every day with that attitude that today is going to be a great day, particularly if you're joining right now through whatever medium you are here and we're learning together. If you're healthy and well enough and we have the blessing of technology and the ability to continue to congregate and be a community of people learning and growing, what an incredible day it is already by 8.45 this morning. So a person has to begin every day with the mentality and an attitude that today is going to be a great day to focus on what we have, not what we're missing, to focus on the blessing and opportunity, not on the crisis, though this is not an easy time and I don't mean to minimize this time. Nonetheless, as much as it's a challenging time, it's also a time presenting itself with incredible opportunities for each and every one of us and I hope that we're taking advantage of them. I want to thank our sponsors for this year for our Wednesday morning Emuna class, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, who sponsored Le'iloi Nishmas, our dear friend Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbard, Baruch Tzib and Ruvein Nassan, who himself was a model. I can only imagine how Brian would have been persevering during this time, remaining steadfastly loyal to his patients, remaining eternally optimistic, hopeful, saying everything is amazing, which was his mantra through life, that no matter what was going on and what's happening and how challenging it is, Brian Galbert would be saying, everything is amazing. And in his memory, each and every one of us can do so as well. That should be our motto. Everything is amazing, unless it's not. And even then, everything is amazing because it's the way it's meant to be. We've been studying together this uh, section, this essay, Das Bischonecha, Know Your Bitachon, by Ravita Mar Schwartz, the author of the Bavavi Mishkan Evne, and he has been developing the following. We'll briefly summarize where we're up to, and then we'll continue to study, to learn, to exercise our Amuna muscles, and to be able to grow. You know, I was talking to a group the other night, and uh, a private uh, conversation, and some are panicking, some are really overwhelmed by a sense of doubt and fear and uncertainty by what's going on. Some people are already at their, their, their edge, of being able to have patience with their family intensely living on top of one another in these unusual circumstances. And a lot of people say, what is and what's going to be? What will happen with the economy, with my livelihood? What will be with my health and the health of the people around me who I cherish and love the most? And I said, you know, if you haven't been working on Emuna and Bitachon, and now you're confronted by this crisis, you're in trouble. Because this crisis will empty your entire bank account of faith. And if your bank account is already in the red, if you haven't been working on Amunah Bitachon, if you haven't been developing that relationship with Hashem, who is He and who am I and where is He in my life and how do I rely on Him? And how do I live a life not of feeling arrogant and independent, but how do I live a life in which I realize that He is the one in charge? If you haven't been working on it until this point, you're in trouble. And it occurred to me, I think we're up to number sheer 140-something, maybe even 150 today, to thank God for those of us who've been learning together every Wednesday morning, for 150 weeks, we have been making deposits and deposits and deposits. And when we confront a moment like this, we can smile and we can have our serenity and we can live with that sense of calm because we know that we have to take every precaution that we have to, socially distance and quarantine and wash our hands and purell our hands. We have to do everything that we have to do 100%. 100%. But once we've done that, let go and let God. 
150 weeks we've been working out so that we're in a healthy position to endure the challenge of our time. And that's why these moments, you can't wait for them to happen in order to be positioned. You have to be working on emunah and bitachon. You have to be working on having a positive and a good chevra. You have to be working on the attributes, the character traits. We have to be positioned so that when we confront these moments, we have everything we need. We have everything that it will take in order to persevere, in order to be able to, in order to be able to overcome. So what the... Rav Schwartz, what the Belvavi has been developing until now is this notion that we live two lives simultaneously. There is the external sense of self that we have, and the external sense of self is, uh, the external sense of self looks at the world and sees opposition, sees conflict. Our external superficial self, from the moment we wake up in the morning, there is inertia, there's friction, there's tension. Stay in bed, go back to sleep, run late, eat unhealthy food, say that gossip, don't daven with kavana. We're facing conflict from the moment we wake up until the moment we're blessed to fall asleep. However, the internal sense of self, it sees everything as working, integrated as one. The internal sense of self has no doubt. The internal sense of self has no fear. The internal sense of self sees no friction or tension or battle or conflict. The internal sense of self only sees, only sees Hashem and His will in our lives. He's been describing that the word bitachon comes from betach, that Shimon and Levi entered the city to fight with, to fight with, um, no? Shechem, who took advantage of Dina. Shimon and Levi entered the Seer Betach and meant they entered the city with a sense of confidence. They knew that the odds were stacked in their favor and as we live our lives, if you have a relationship with Him, the Almighty, the source of all, if you know that He's orchestrating and pulling the strings from above, then you can have that sense of Betach with a sense of confidence. We know that Hashem has our back. We know that nothing is by chance or randomness. Everything is by design. We can have the calm and the confidence of knowing that He is here and He is with us. And the only question that's left for us is, with which eye will we see? Will we look with our glasses through the prism of the internal sense of self? Will we look with the sense of the neshama, who sees everything as from Hashem, and therefore there's nothing I can't handle. There's nothing I can't overcome. There's nothing that I can't absorb. Whatever life will throw my way, I know it's by design and from above. So with a sense of calm and confidence, I'm able to take it on. Or will we live with our superficial external sense of self, who only sees conflict and tension, who only feels we're battling through the day. Battling is exhausting, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Battling is defeating. Battling is overwhelming. And calm and confidence are enriching. They strengthen us. They lift us. They take us where we need to go. So we are, and none of you have the text, so you can't follow, but you'll listen to me in the text of Rav Schwartz we're reading together. These two attitudes, these two approaches are included in the language of Chazal of our rabbis. That everything, we know this from the song, which is uh, Benny Friedman's great song. Um about uh, Amuna, about Amuna that came out in the Gaza War, the soldiers dancing as they sang this. Hakol tzafui v'harashus nesuna, which means that everything is expected about harashus nesuna. We are given the power of choice. Mitzara tfisa sharashus nesuna, harishyeshna b'chira v'akom muchtam mibchiras ha'adam. L'fichach munachas ha'evsharosh yuhas nagduyos. The notion of harashus nesuna. What is the word harashus? We would normally translate it as free will. Free will was given to us. We have the opportunity to wake up and to look out at life, and in the end of the day, we have free will. 
We can blame our circumstances or we can make the most of our circumstances. We're in our homes, we're living on top of one another, our children are not compliant or obedient, our spouse may not be compliant or obedient, the world is not compliant and obedient, the economy is not compliant and obedient, nothing is falling in line with what I want and the way I want it. And therefore, I can blame the world for my bad attitude. I can blame the world for losing my cool, my rage, and my anchor. I can blame the world for my frustration and for my envy. Or I can take extreme ownership. I can take achrayis and I can realize that I have the power of free will. It's up to me how to respond. I can't necessarily shape the circumstances in which I live. I can't necessarily change the world. I can't change what's happening, but I can change how I react. I can change how I respond. I can change who I am. Never relinquish that blessing. Never blame circumstances and blame the world around us. Because it's very difficult. It's a challenging time. It's a crisis. But it's up to each and every one of us to control ourselves and to make the right choices. To choose calmness and serenity and tranquility. To choose to see the good and give the benefit of the doubt. To choose to let things go and move on. To choose to be extreme, to take extreme ownership in our contribution to the atmosphere and environment, to the energy that is flowing throughout our home right now as we are confined there. Harashus Nasuna, we are given that, I quote all the time, and I may write the article about it this week. I love, this is not my own, but, and I've said it many times in Living with Amun Ashir, so thank you for bearing with me again, but it's just the, the image and the metaphor speak so strongly to me, that life can be lived as a thermometer or a thermostat. One of the indications, the symptoms of the horrific virus is a low-grade fever, which God forbid escalates to a real fever. So people need to have a thermometer right now. A thermometer tells you your temperature. A thermometer tells you where are you holding. And a thermometer could tell you your temperature in life. I'm angry, I'm jealous, I'm arrogant, I'm whatever the feeling is. But you know, you don't have to be a thermometer. You can be a thermostat. The difference between a thermometer and a thermostat is that a thermostat controls the temperature. A thermostat... And shul, please God, we'll get back there. The men and women wrestle over the thermostat. It's too cold, it's too hot. I want it hotter, I want it colder. Who controls the thermostat? I once gave a whole shear about what is the halacha of who controls the thermostat. Is it the people who are predisposed to be too cold? The people predisposed to be too hot? The men wearing a suit and the talus? The women who are coming in more vulnerable? Who controls the thermostat? Believe it or not, there's halachic literature and halachic attitudes to everything. That was a shear that we gave. The thermostat, as opposed to the thermometer, lets you control your temperature. So this notion, harishus nesuna, means hakol tzafoy, but harishus nesuna. It means that you have free will. Don't concede or forfeit and say, listen, I'm a thermometer. I can tell you right now, I'm about to blow my lid. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm so frustrated, I can't be around people. I need personal space. I'm going crazy. That's a thermometer. Be a thermostat and say, you know, I know how I'm feeling, so what do I need to do to self-regulate? What do I need to do to calm myself down? I have to go for a walk. I need to be in a room alone for a few minutes. I need to take a few deep breaths. I control myself. Don't let other people control you. Don't let family don't let in-laws, don't let the stock market, don't let the government, don't let the news, don't let other things determine your happiness, your mentality, your soul, your well-being. Don't be a thermometer, be a thermostat. We have harashus, the sooner we have the capacity to control ourselves. It's interesting when the Rambam quotes this notion of Bechira Chavshus, he also uses that word rishus, not Bechira. What does the word Bechira mean? Bechira means um, choice, but Bechirot. In Israel, they've had a lot of them lately, and they may be on their way to having their fourth in a year. Bechirot are an election. 
We're on our way to having one. An election, although nobody even remembers that there's an election going on. Uh, an election. Isn't it amazing how the things that three weeks ago, four weeks ago, thought the most important, earth-shattering, this is what everyone's going to be talking about, nobody even remembers or is even focused on whatsoever right now. But the elections, Bechirot, are an election. Why doesn't the Ramam call, about, call it Bechira, that we have choice? Why does he use the term, and why here do Chazal use the term Harashus? Rashus means opportunity as opposed to choice. So Rabbi Soloveitchik explained, because choices come from a limited menu. They come from a set list. You go to the restaurant, halavai, we can go sit in a restaurant. The little things that we took for granted in our lives, coming to shul, going out to eat. You go sit in a restaurant and they hand you the menu. You can't say, I want this other dish. That's nice. It's not on our menu. We don't offer it. It's not provided here. So an election is from a, a group of, a unit of set choices. Rishus is something so much higher. It means the sky's the limit. There is no menu. There are no limited options. The sky is the limit for what you want and whatever you want. There is no limit. So our ability to be that thermometer, not to be that thermostat, not that thermometer, our ability and capacity to choose our reality, to shape the energy that we are putting out and to influence our surrounding and circumstance, it's limitless. It's not from a set choices. Well, our house can either be on a scale of one to 10 in terms of the level of about to blow its lid, an eight or a nine. No, it's rishus, it's limitless. It could be a zero. It could be a negative 10 of calmness and peace and serenity and happiness and joy and fun. Harashus, it's limitless, not just Bechira. The Orachayim HaKadosh of Chaim Ibn Atar, who lived in Morocco and died in Israel, where he had moved to. And the Orachayim has a following fascinating comment. It's a controversial comment, and I'll tell you, it's such a in fascinating uh, comment that some actually reject it and say that he never really said it. But he says the following, while we are meant to believe, while we subscribe to the philosophy that everything in our lives is from Hashem. The Gemara says you reach in your pocket for a nickel, you pulled out a dime. Everything is from Hashem. Everything is ordained and orchestrated from above. But the Orachayim HaKadosh says that's all in the world between us and God. So what nature does and what God does Everything is ordained. But what about what other people do? What about the impact other people have on our lives? So the Orachayim in his commentary, when the brothers throw Yosef in the pit, the Orachayim says there, The brothers say, let's take him and let's kill him. We'll throw him into one of the pits and we'll take him down. When it comes to the animal world, when it comes to the natural world, nothing can stand in our way. Nothing can be opposite or oppose us. Kaddish Baruch Hu orchestrates and ordains everything. We have to do our part and earn our merit, and then the rest is up to God. Let go and let God. But when it comes to other human beings, says the Orachayim HaKadosh, other people can be a force of opposition. They can create a tension. We can have to battle them. Somebody gossips about us. Somebody hurts us in business. Someone hurts us in life. Someone stands opposite and tries to block us in life. The brothers try to throw Yosef in the pit. Was that the act of God or was that the act of the brothers? Can A kill B even if God doesn't determine that B deserves to die? The Orachayim HaKadosh says, yes. It can happen. Other human beings have free will and they express their free will. It can have an impact on us even if it's not part of the grand or master plan. (laughs) 
Says Rav Schwartz, that comment of the Orachayim HaKadosh, that insight that says that other human beings and their free will can create a tension, a friction, and opposition. We can have to battle them, even not part of the grand scheme of the Almighty. That's only true with our external selves. The superficial external self who looks at life and sees only what's on the surface. I see people I'm battling. I see viruses I'm battling. I see a stock market economy I'm battling. I see people within my home who I feel like I'm battling in these unusual times and circumstances. That's the external sense of self. But if we live with that calm, if I take that breath and I rejuvenate and renew and reactivate my neshama, if I calm my inner sense of self and my look through the glasses called the neshama and I see that everything, everything is synergized, everything is cooperating, everything is collaborating, everything is the will of Hashem, everything is the way it's meant to be. And that's why I do what I have to do I do what I meant to do, I do what's upon me to do, and after that I let go and I let God. After that I realize this is the way it was meant to be by design. And the choice is up to us. When we talked about our free will and the choice, we can't control the circumstances, we can't control the health and the economy and the people around us, but we can control ourselves and how we react. We can regulate our own temperature, we can be that thermostat, not just that thermometer. When we listen to that inner voice, if you were watching, if the brothers and Yosef were a movie, a reality show, and you were watching as a spectator to it, you'd see and you'd say, oh my goodness, these brothers, they're going to kill Yosef. How could it be? Brothers, flesh and blood, they're conspiring to take their brother and throw him in a pit. They're going to kill Yosef. If you're watching with the external eye, if you're a spectator as if it's some TV show or movie, you'd say, how could these brothers do this? How could anyone do this? This is going to be a disaster for Yosef. They're going to leave him for dead. Look what they're doing to him. However, You know what's amazing? If we were a spectator to the episode of the sale of Yosef, we'd be screaming, help, stop, which we should scream no matter what. But if we're watching with our external eye, we'd say, how could the brothers do this? This is going to be the worst thing in the world for Yosef. But you know who didn't see it that way? You know whose faith was unwavering and uncompromised? You know who said, I'm not happy to be in a pit with snakes and scorpions. I'm going to do everything to fight for my life. But if this is where I am, it's where I'm meant to be. This is all by design and somehow is going to work out for the best. You know who felt that and who thought that? The protagonist, the one who was actually going through it. Yosef himself. And how do we know that? Because later when the brothers come to Mitzrayim and Yosef reveals himself to them, he says to them in his Musr to them, Atem ra'a, You conspired to do something bad, but God, the Almighty, He is the big planner in the sky. He is the puppeteer. He's the choreographer. He's orchestrating everything. And He put me in the pit. He put me in the caravan. He brought me to Mitzrayim so that I would be positioned here for when you needed me in order for the Jewish people to survive for a continuity of our family. So you may have intended the worst, but God had a plan for the best. He's the one who brought me here. He's why I'm here. It's all a question of which eye we're looking at, which filter we're filtering things through. This 
This is a very, very important point that Rav Schwartz makes next. And he says, these two perspectives, the external sense of self, the superficial self that looks at the circumstances, that panics, that fears, that has doubt and uncertainty, that worries with anguish, and the internal sense of self that says, ah, let go, let God. I do what I have to do and beyond that, why would I worry for what's out of my control? We're often tempted to think the external sense of self is a world of sheker. That perspective is filled with lies and distortions, that it's not true. But says Rav Schwartz, that's a mistake. The external perspective, that view of the world, is also true. Ulam kam ein bekavan asen ulam arsham abatachitzoni hu shikri. Benidon zeshnei amabatim hem pnimi vechintzoni hem mabati emes. These two perspectives are both true. There is a truth to an attitude and a view of the world that sees battle and confrontation, tension and friction. It's all true. Those are realities. I'm battling what I'm going to eat and will I wake up and what I'm going to say and how I can be patient. All that's true. It's not that the external sense of self is a wrong sense of self, is a lie and fake and the internal one is true. No, says Rav Schwartz, they're both true. Everything is a combination of the external and internal. If you're a spectator to Yosef and his brothers, or if you're a spectator to your own life, what you're seeing as a spectator, what you're observing and noting is also true. They're both true. The question is which one you want to watch with. You know, I'm watching on Zoom. We're on Facebook Live, we're on Zoom, we're recording the audio. We're overflowing with technology over here. God bless. Kaddish Baruch who created all this technology, he created the Rafua before the Maka. I'll just pause to say, in, in recognizing the Hashkacha Pratis in our lives, in trying every single day to keep that journal where we say, thank God for the divine providence and intervention. We are living in extraordinary times, an extraordinary crisis. But you know, we have a tradition that Hashem sends the Rafua before the Makkah. He sends the healing before He, sends the, before he inflicts the, the illness. He gave us this technology. What would this have been 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 5 years ago? We'd be so isolated from one another. We wouldn't be able to learn and study together. We wouldn't be able to see together. If I would have told you 15 years ago, there'll be a technology that anyone from around the world can press a button and we'll all be video conferenced together, studying, learning, able to communicate. You'd say, what does that cost each person every time they do it? $5,000, $10,000, $20,000? How much is it to install the technology in your home? How much is it to download that application? $100,000 to set up video technology that around the world, a million people can simultaneously have their faces on? It's free. You download it, you press the button, you're LinkedIn, here we are, the Rafur before the Maka, among the many things we're so thankful to you for, Hashem. Thank you for sending us this technology, which enables us to learn together in this way. So here on the Zoom feature, I can press a button where all I see is myself. I could press a button where I see a grid of all of you. I could position a camera for this angle, you could press a button to see it from this angle. Which is the true one? Which is the true one? You know, producers who sit in a studio have several cameras on the person that's being interviewed, and the greatness of their camera is that they can push a button that it's coming from this angle, they can push a button that's coming from this angle. Which is the true view? Which is the true perspective? Is one of them distorting the subject that they're broadcasting? No, they're both true, and they're both accurately portraying the subject that they're broadcasting. Hanan, I want some of those eggs. They're both broadcasting accurately the, the subject. They're both true. They're just offering two different perspectives. 
It's two different perspectives. So that's what Rav Schwartz is saying. The external sense of self that sees tension and battle and conflict, the internal voice that sees harmony in the universe. It's not that one is true and one is false. They're both accurately depicting a reality. The question is, which camera do you want to broadcast? Which view do you want to live with? Do you want to look around at the world through the prism, through the view that sees battle, conflict, tension, fear, doubt, uncertainty, anxiety? Or do you say, no, turn that camera off. I want to look through the camera and through the view, through the lens that sees only harmony and peace, that says there's something blessing underlying this, that says somehow this will make sense. And I'm not minimizing. There are people going through horrific times. My wife's first cousin has been on a ventilator since Friday. He's 34 years old and otherwise in great health and who was in a very precarious situation where David in the bottom of our hearts thinking about him all day, every day. Michael Goldsmith, he should have a rafuah shleima b'mehera. Please God, he'll now get the medicine he needs that we've been fighting for. This is not to be minimized. The people going through the health crisis are going through an extraordinary health crisis. But I want to say something which may not be popular. If you're not going through a health crisis, if please God you have not been diagnosed with a confirmed case, and even if you have, you have only mild symptoms, your problems you're going through right now are likely first world problems. Meaning, I'm not talking about you may risk losing your home, you have no income, you don't know how you're putting food on your table next week. That's also a significant crisis. We're here for you. Let us know. But if I hear that your biggest crisis is, I have to make Pesach. I've never made Pesach and I have to make Pesach. God bless you. It's not Auschwitz, it's not a DP camp, you're not in an intensive care unit, and if your crisis is you have to make Pesach, you should thank Hashem every moment of your day. People have been reaching out with all kinds of questions. Yesterday, are we allowed to eat kitneos this year? Why would we be allowed to eat kitneos? Well, maybe there'll be less product and variety on the shelves, maybe we should be allowed to eat kitneos. First of all, I know from distributors you'll have all the product that you need, you won't have a problem, A. But B, and if you had less, Maybe if we consolidated and minimized and we were able to be satisfied with less this year, there wouldn't be a blessing in that. My point is, I'm not minimizing. It's challenging. Believe me, I know the worst of these challenging times. But if your health is not failing and if your, and if your uh, economy, your finances aren't failing, then likely your problems right now are first world problems. And thank your lucky stars for that. So we can look with the external sense of self that sees friction, tension, crisis, anxiety, worry, uncertainty, what will be. Or we can look and listen with that internal voice. We can look through the prism that sees harmony and that sees the blessing and opportunity. You know, I've spent more time with my children and with my family than I have and I don't literally know how long combined. If that's not a, a hidden blessing within this, I don't know what is, and I think the same is true. Some of the time I've wanted to kill them, but while I've wanted to allow them to live, it's been amazing. It's been fantastic. Not them, they're perfect children. I'm talking on behalf of my neighbor. Let's just read the next paragraph. Says of Schwartz, I want to say something very important, very critically important. That this Mahalech is not talking about the Midah, the character trait of Bitachon. He says, I want to clarify and I want to carefully define what is this character trait of the Midah of Bitachon. I want to say our learning is also for Chaya Fredel Basara Leah, Bailey's sister, who's also been a confirmed case. She should have Rafu Shlema quickly and speedily and fully. Says Rav Schwartz, let's define it, let's narrow in and fine tune what is this quality of Bitachon. Oh, 
People make a mistake and they think, you know what bitachon is? Bitachon is my confidence, my sense of confidence that everything's going to work out, that Hashem's going to make this happen the way I want. I have bitachon that I'll stay safe and not be sick. I have bitachon the stock market will come back. I have bitachon that the world will comply and fall in line and behave exactly the way I want it to. That's not bitachon. That's not worshiping God. That's worshiping yourself. That's worshiping your hopes and dreams. That's worshiping your, set, your capacity to micromanage and control the universe. And among the people and things you want to control and micromanage is the Almighty Himself. You're telling God, here's the way I'm drawing it up. Here's how I want the entire world to work. Here's how I want everything to happen. Fall in line, God. I have faith in you that you'll do exactly what I want. Could you imagine that doesn't work in our relationships in this world and it doesn't work in our relationship with God? You get married and you tell your spouse, I want to tell you the most romantic thing, dear. I love you so much and I want to tell you how much faith I have in you. I have so much faith in you and I love you so much and I'm so confident in you. My faith in you is so great that I believe you'll do everything exactly the way I want you to. That's my faith in you. You know what spouse would do? If they weren't quarantined, they'll say, here's the door. Go find someone's couch to sleep on. Get lost. Your faith in me is that I'll do exactly what you want. Your faith in me is that I'll behave exactly the way you want it to be. That's not faith in me. That's trying to micromanage. That's trying to simply use me. Faith in someone else is, I believe that even when you disagree or want to do it differently, that you're entitled that you also have a perspective and an opinion, that you also are independent or autonomous, and I defer to you, I have faith in you. And Hashem the Almighty says the same thing. Faith in Him doesn't mean, Hashem, I want you to fall in line and act exactly the way I demand, the way I determine. Faith in Hashem is, I believe that however it does work out, that that is the master plan. All of these things, the notion of having faith in God, are... They are extensions of bitachon, but that's not the core of what bitachon is. Bitachon is not a choice. It's not like I put on the filter. Oh, let me, hold on. Let me just change the channel. Let me adjust the volume. Let me put on, you know, people can post things on social media and you could put a button, a push a button to have a filter and then the filter changes the image. Oh, let me just put on my filter called bitachon. I'll look at the world through bitachon. No, it's not a filter you put on. It's not a choice that you make in a moment. It is something very core to who you are in your essence. It happens bepanimius hanefesh. It happens internally in the deepest depths of your soul in a place where there is no tension and there are no obstacles and there is nothing that stands in your way. L'chach etzem kenisas ha'adam apnimiyusu el me'am kenafsho elohim habitachon. This is so important, and I'm going to leave it here. We'll pick up with it, please God, next time. But what Rav Schwartz is saying is, where real bitachon lies is in your inner sense of self and your inner soul. But you can't tap into that unless you've ever accessed your inner soul before. If you are a body that has a soul, not a soul that has a body, if you've never had a conversation with your own neshama, if you've never experienced this bodidus, which is not only the comfort of being alone, but actually the enrichment of being alone, then you're never going to tap truly into the sense of bitachon. Bitachon is housed and it is expressed, it is fanned and it, it flames in the inner recesses of our soul. You have to know your soul. You have to find your soul. You have to communicate with your soul. You have to be comfortable with your own soul. You have to nourish your soul and protect your soul. You have to have the ability to listen to your soul and what it's telling you. Because if you have no relationship with your own soul, then you're not going to fully tap into the sense of living life with a healthy sense of bitachon. The Maharal expresses often, there are three realms with which we live. There are three dimensions. 
we have we know two of them we focus on Ben Adam Lamakom between us and God, Ben Adam Lachavero between us and other people, and Ben Adam Laatzmo between us and ourselves, our relationship with ourselves. We fail often and we neglect that third realm of a relationship in life, Ben Adam Laatzmo, the relationship we have with ourselves. We have to know ourselves. We have to have a sense of comfort with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be willing to confront ourselves. We have to learn to listen to ourselves. And only in that place and in that space, which we'll talk more about beginning next time, can a person truly live with a sense of bitachon. And so, I give us all a blessing that we should have the strength to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. To not only take our temperature physically and emotionally during these difficult times, but to be able to regulate that temperature, to be in control of ourselves and of the energy we put out, to make our home still filled with happiness and joy, with confidence and with faith, with hope and with love, even during these trying times. Have a fantastic day.